Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm so happy you're joining me here today. Well, I'm really excited about today's interview. Today, I got to talk to Ainsley Arment, who is the founder of Wild and Free. It's a unique online community that connects and encourages homeschooling moms. I've heard a lot of great things about their conferences and other events that they hold around the country. And so it was really a joy to get to talk to Ainsley, somebody who has a heart for helping support and encourage homeschooling moms. I think you're going to enjoy the interview and we'll get right to it after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast is brought to you by Maestro Classics. Do you want to bring classical music into your children's lives? You can add music to your homeschool curriculum today with Maestro Classics. These award-winning CDs and MP3s feature storytellers Yadu and Jim Weiss, accompanied by the world-famous London Philharmonic Orchestra. Choose from a dozen titles, including Peter and the Wolf, The Nutcracker, and our family's favorite, The Story of Swan Lake. What makes Maestro Classic CDs so special is that each CD and MP3 contain a 24-page activity book with illustrations, puzzles, games, and fun facts for kids. You can even download free curriculum guides that combine classical music with science, math, geography, and other subjects. All CDs and MP3 sets include tracks, which explain to your children how the music was made, who the composer was, the history and story behind the music, the instruments used by the orchestra, and most importantly, how to open your ears and really listen. Listening is a learned art, and Maestro Classics guarantees that these recordings will explain and develop listening skills in your children. Visit maestroclassics.com for free shipping on all CDs and MP3s. They start at just $9.98. As a Homeschool Snapshots listener, you can receive 17% off your order by using the coupon code PAM at checkout. Go to www.maestroclassics.com. That's maestro, spelled M-A-E-S-T-R-O, classics.com, where the best classical music curriculum awaits your homeschool. Armit is the founder of Wild and Free, a community that supports families in their efforts to not merely educate their children, but to also offer them a childhood of wonder and freedom. She is the mother of five and a lover of adventure and good books. Ainsley joins us on this episode to share about her family, her homeschool, and her wild and free philosophy. Ainsley, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much, Pam. I'm so thrilled to be here. Well, start off by telling me a little bit about your family. Okay, sure. Well, I'm married to Ben, my better half, for the past 16 years. And we have five children. The oldest is 12, Wyatt. And then we have a almost 10-year-old Dylan, a newly 7-year-old Cody. And then we have two girls, Annie, who's three, and Millie, who is about to turn one next week. So they all have Western-themed names. We started with Wyatt and then we just took off from there. So they kind of have the little theme going on with the (laughs) cowpokes. You know, I have never met anybody who had themed names for their children before. That is (laughs) awesome. 
<laughs> Thanks. It just happened kind of by accident. When we named Wyatt, my husband said, Wyatt, I love that name. We had the hardest time deciding what we were going to name our first son. And when we came up with Wyatt, it was the only name we both loved. And he had the idea. He was like, yeah, and then we can just have a whole bunch of cowboys. And I thought, easy, buddy. We'll just start with one. <laughs> See where it goes. And I was determined that we would not name them all Western themed names, but each time it just seemed right. And they certainly fit their names. So, oh, that's funny. So nobody was like a big Louis L'Amour fan or anything like that. It just kind of <laughs> happened. It did. Yes. My husband loves Westerns, so he was all for it. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell me how you guys got started homeschooling. Okay. Well, we've been this, goodness, I think this is just our sixth year. So we'll be going into our... Well, I'm not sure. I think we're going into our sixth year this coming fall. So we've been, we've homeschooled for five years and we started when my oldest was going into second grade. So up until that point, we had just kind of gone the the mainstream route. He went to preschools and, and then we put him into public school kindergarten and he had a great year. It was a half day program here and mm-hmm. where we live. So he just really thrived and enjoyed. He's very social. He really enjoyed that component, loved riding the bus, even though it made me so nervous. There was a little special kindergarten bus that came to pick him up and he loved it. And then he went into first grade and it was somewhere around the middle of the first semester of first grade where he was still enjoying school. His teacher said he was doing great. And I had never considered homeschooling, but I just kind of, I saw the light go out in his eyes. There was just something that he he, a bit of his soul was lost, I feel like. And I know that seems strange to say, but it was just something as his mother that I sensed. And I didn't know what that meant. I kind of at the moment just thought, gosh, this is really sad. And I'm just going to do what I can to keep what I'm doing at home really healthy for his spirit and to just kind of encourage him to be free outside of school. And I just thought this is just something kids go through. This is, you know, they grow up faster than you want them to. And it was over the course of that year where I just was so, I just couldn't get the idea of homeschooling out of my mind. I had never known anybody who homeschooled before personally, I should say. I've never known anybody personally. And I didn't have a good, I didn't really know what to think about it. I just really thought it was in my mind simply for him. Just this is what I need to do. I need to bring him home. I need to bring him home. So I talked to my husband about it and he was supportive, but wanted us just to think about it and research a little bit. And I didn't really know where to research. So we kind of just jumped in before we really knew too much about it. But he finished out his first grade year. But going into second grade, we kept him home. My second son was going into kindergarten. And I had another son at home at the time. It was a preschooler or toddler. So yeah, that's when we started six years ago. Wow. Well, you know, sometimes I think it's better to just jump in without doing a lot of research. (laughs) (laughs) It worked out okay for us. At the same year, I had a really close friend who was going to embark on homeschooling her oldest who was just starting kindergarten. And so we sort of looked at curriculums together and just went with the recommendation of a friend to start with a big box curriculum. And we just kind of did that and just kind of jumped in and have just been learning as we go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me start you off with a multiple choice question. Okay. Your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? Would it be A, Cheaper by the Dozen, (laughs) B, Much Ado About Nothing, C, Around the World in 80 Days, or D, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Oh, (laughs) Ah, those are such great choices. I would like to say that I would love it to be Much Ado About Nothing because I love Shakespeare, but my children would probably be less excited about that analogy. And there's, oh gosh, I'm just going to say 
I mean, it's going to be a combination of Dr. (laughs) Jekyll and Mr. Hyde on my part and just the personalities, you know, merging all those personalities, but also around the world in 80 days. That's a fun one. All the adventures and just the, the mishaps and just things that everything makes an adventure, the good, the bad, the... <laughs> yeah, you guys seem like an adventurous crew. So I think that would be a good one for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think we all have a little bit of the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. Well, what would your kids say is the best part of being homeschooled? I would say they would probably say, and I would agree that the best part is the freedom and the adventures that we can take. Just the ability to drop everything and go when we need a break or to spend the afternoon reading instead of sitting in a classroom. Yeah, I think that's it. The freedom and the adventures that it lends. So you think that would be your choice as well? I do. I do. I think the freedom of homeschooling is really appealing to me. Even when my son was in a classroom in the public school setting, I was in there a lot as the room mom. Of course, I wanted to be in there knowing what was going on and just interacting with them as much as possible. And I saw so much of the time that was just the sweet teachers just had so many kids and more than, you know, what they should, in my opinion. But they just spent a lot of time correcting children, keeping children quiet. There was a lot of waiting on the part of the majority of the kids in the class and the time, just the in-between time, I just thought, oh man, if this were condensed, we could get so much learning done in just two hours. (laughs) And we do as homeschooling family now. So I would say the freedom and just the ability to keep my children close during the early years, especially, but to keep that bond growing and staying tight as they grow older. Well, if you were to walk down the hall of a homeschool vendor hall and you were to turn the corner and run into a younger version of yourself, what would you tell her? Okay, so this might come as a surprise to you (laughs) or to some people listening, but I have actually never been to a homeschool convention (laughs) or walked (laughs) down a vendor hall. (laughs) So I imagine if I ran into my younger version of myself, I might say, what are you doing here? I did not know that we came here. Okay. (laughs) Well, let me rephrase this question then. What piece of advice do you wish you had received (laughs) as a young homeschooling mom? That's a good one. Okay. I think that it would be to trust yourself a little bit more and the natural instincts that you have for teaching your children or guiding your children, but then also to trust your children in what they're saying and what they love learning about. Just trusting that they know if something's clicking or if it isn't, but just to trust the natural process of learning a little bit more and less what I have to bring to the table. Oh, that's good. And that's so hard to do too. It is. It is. And I think, yeah, I think that moms, homeschooling moms, especially they have, they do, they have a tough time just with comparison and just knowing what it is that they think they should be doing. And so, yeah, I think that just trusting and if they see somebody's doing something differently, they think maybe they're doing something wrong. So I really just have a heart for that. And for my younger self, who kind of thought the same way. Yeah, yeah. Boy, if we could go back and talk to that younger self, all the things we could teach her for sure. Oh, I know. So many. (laughs) Well, let's go back to this vendor hall thing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, actually, there probably are quite a few homeschoolers out there who have never been to a convention or ever been inside a vendor hall. So what I need to know for you, is it like some kind of homeschooling political statement? 
or just you've never been. Do you have a thing against vendor halls? I do not have anything against vendor halls. In fact, I've never, I don't know much about them, but I have a few friends that love the vendor halls and get really excited about going each year to see everything. And I think that they can handle it well. You know, they, they see it as they're almost researchers. They like to look into the different options and they're kind of a collector and they have a little gunny sack of knowledge and resources that they have. But I've also talked with moms who have been, and it's just happenstance that I didn't go the first year or two that I was homeschooling. I, when I first jumped in, I was caring for my mother who was ill And I just didn't have a lot of time. There was no way I could get away to even go to one. But I think that it's really just, I did talk with a few moms that have gone and it's been very overwhelming for them. They feel like they're not doing enough. And so there's, I have friends that have been on both sides of that. They either love it or it feels very overwhelming. So they stay away from it. And I have just never been. <laughs> it's not a political statement and I'm not against it, but I do. I am curious. I told Sarah McKenzie, she said once to me, she said, you know, this is wild and free. It's very different from other homeschooling conferences and conventions. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to confide in you. I've actually never been to another homeschooling conference. And she said, that's probably why this is really different from other yeah. conferences. So I'm not sure now. I'm, now I feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think you could go. So, you know, I've been, gosh, like five or six times to one of the big homeschool mm-hmm. conferences and I love to go. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was never anybody to really feel overwhelmed by it. I was kind of drawn in and the first couple of years I went, I really had to stop at every table and see everything and touch everything and, you know, spent too much money and, and all of that. But I would say the past, at least the past three years that I've gone, now that I have a real vision for what I want my homeschool to be, I kind of pride myself on the fact that I walk past a good 75% of what's in there and never even stop. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And I, I can see that the longer you homeschool, and the more confidence that you gain, I think that you know what is extra. And that I love what you said about having a vision because I feel like each year I have a different vision. It's not the same vision I had for the year before. And so I kind of tailor what we might learn or what I might be looking for resource-wise to help that particular vision for that year so you can let the other things go, you know, because you know less is more. Yeah, yeah. It's having that vision that helps you say, you know Mm -hmm. what, this is not going to work for my family. This doesn't fit with my vision. So I'm just going to walk right past it. And not. yeah, yeah. that's one of the things I really love to encourage homeschool moms to do is really, you know, sit down and think about before you shop, you know, sit down and think about what it is, what you have in your mind uh, Mm -hmm. that you want your homeschool to be like. So yeah, um, that's so good. So you're a pro now. You're a homeschool convention vendor hall pro. Yeah. Now, I, yeah, that one. Homeschool pro, no, but I'll wear the vendor hall pro label. <laughs> I love so, it. Well, do you have a homeschool hero? You know, I am deeply appreciative. I've never known anyone personally who is homeschooled before I began homeschooling. And I'm very grateful to those who went before us, to the past generations of homeschoolers that kind of paved the way for us to be able to do it our way now, that it's not so anti-cultural. More and more people are doing it. I would have to say that John Holt and the Moores, Raymond and Dorothy, their writings have helped me immensely. And in a way, they're sort of homeschool heroes. But really, I look to other homeschooling moms, the other, my peers and the people who are on this homeschooling journey with me. 
the ones that are in the trenches that I can both relate to, but also inspire me just with their different gifts. Cause I learn a lot from, you know, some things I can take from somebody else and it doesn't apply to me. Like I can't execute it well. It just doesn't fit, but I can still admire it in them. And sometimes I like to try new things that they're doing. So I get really inspired by these just other mothers who are doing this. So I've been, even just with Wild and Free, I've gotten to work with a lot of these women, these moms that I've admired from afar, from social media. Social media opens a whole new world of being able to find people who we can look to for inspiration. So it's kind of a unique generation that we're homeschooling our children in these days. So people like Greta Eskridge and Terry Woods, Jennifer Pepito, Stephanie Beatty, these are all moms that I've been able to interact with with Wild and Free that are really inspiring to me. And these are the ladies with the beautiful Instagram accounts, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to link to all of those in the show notes because they really are such a wonderful feature for the eyes. So they're a lot of fun to look at. Yes. And they're very sweet in person and humble and just encouraging, you know. Yeah. You know, I think it's so important to find kind of your niche of, well, your tribe, your little tribe mm-hmm. of homeschoolers where you really feel comfortable and fit in. You know, I have, you know, two kind of, not, I wouldn't say separate groups, you know, because one is online and then one is here in my town, but I just don't think I could do it without them. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And my kind of my tribe that's like where I live is a lot smaller and the social media and Instagram has opened up a bigger world, which is great. And especially because I think a lot of homeschooling moms do feel very isolated and alone where they live. They don't feel like they fit into a certain group, whether it's a co-op or at their church or whatever it is. So it definitely, I feel like I kind of have that tension too. I've got two groups of people, but I just don't know how I would do it. Partly because I've never, oh, I, I didn't have it initially, but just as I've been homeschooling over the years, I've just had that, you know, it's gotten bigger and better. Well, let's talk about Wild and Free because you, okay. I mean, you're like, I'm not just going to know a few people online. I'm going to start a community. <laughs> so first of all, tell me a little bit about what exactly it is. Well, Wild and Free, it started, it was sort of birthed out of Instagram. I had my daughter about three years ago and was just what had just been an app that I had kind of posted a photo and, oh, cool, you can put a filter on your photo and then send it on over to Facebook for the grandparents to see. (laughs) And so I started to see that the more I was on it, I would post photos and sometimes would post pictures of our homeschooling or adventures, homeschool field trips, nature journaling, things like that. And other moms started to comment on the photos. And as they started commenting, a community was born in a way, an online community where we were connecting over certain things. And I just, at one point, at the recommendation of a friend, I thought I could start a whole other Instagram account that just for wild and free. Why not? I'll just try it. And we decided to host a little gathering. Who would be interested in maybe coming together for a little weekend and just, you know, threw it out there and the response was really overwhelming. So I think it was a community of just kind of birthed from Instagram, but we brought it to real life because that's what's real. (laughs) And we wanted to turn those online relationships into real life friendships. And so that's sort of how it birthed. But it's wild and free is a community of moms from all different homeschooling approaches from all over the world, thanks to Instagram, all walks of life, faith. And I think it's just very, like to sum it up, it's moms who just crave a more simple approach to homeschooling, who maybe believe that, who definitely believe that childhood is important. It's 
more a wonder to behold and not something to rush or just a preparation for adulthood. So, and like you said earlier, not just giving our children an education, but creating a life a desire and a love for learning that will last their lifetime. So yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't, I mean, Wild and Free attracts homeschoolers from all different kinds of philosophies and backgrounds. Am I right? Definitely. Yes. It's all different approaches. You know, we've got the Charlotte Mason homeschoolers, the classical, the unschooling, the eclectic that kind of mix it all together. And we really don't have, we don't have a curriculum that we espouse. It's really a mindset, if that makes sense, just of moms that kind of resonate with it because they're either already living that way or they're drawn to the community because they sense that it's something that they would resonate with and really grasp onto the idea of childhood, treasuring that time and spending time in nature and reading good books together. And so I think too, we love like Wild and Free, you know, one of its main goals is to encourage homeschooling moms just who are feeling isolated or maybe like they're walking this path alone, worried that they're giving, whether they're giving their kids their a proper education, comparing to other homeschoolers that they see online and just we really want to take the pressure off of them and to let them know that there's no right or wrong way and that learning can be a very natural thing if we just kind of embrace the freedom and the wild side. <laughs> well, one of the interesting things that I think you guys do is you really do try to hook up local people with each other all across the country, right? Yes, yes. We have a map on our website at bewildandfree.org where you can go and get find a wild and free group locally. Or if you want to start one and just put your name on the map with contact info, people sort of come out of the woodwork because even if there's not a group on the map, people are checking and they want there to be. So we've been able to see the first time we, the first month that we launched the groups, we had over 75 people just around the world. We had a group in England and a group in Australia sign up to host a group. So we really do want to hook up moms locally too, so that they can find like-minded homeschooling moms nearby too. Yeah, I think that's one of the saddest things that I hear from homeschoolers is when they say, oh, you know, I don't fit into the local group. You know, I don't fit into anybody I've met in my community and I'm just looking for my people. And so I think anybody that's really trying to match homeschoolers up with their people, that's, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so true. I've tried co-ops and groups even locally that I haven't felt like we're my people. You know, I've met great people and it's been wonderful to, to in, just interact with other homeschoolers. But it's true. Like you are, you're looking for your tribe, even if it's only one other person. I mean, two families, homeschooling families, you know how many kids they have, right? That can be a tribe. <laughs> that can be a tribe on itself, you know, just that's what I tell people. You only need one other family to join you. <laughs> well, okay. So in addition to hooking the moms up with each other, you also do like the summer camps and then talk to me about you have two conferences a year and you do one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast? Yes, that's what it's been so far. And it's really, we've tried to do that. It kind of just happened. That wasn't the goal, but we just, there were so many, like we said, we want to hook up people where they are. So when we did one on the East Coast, but we had so many people on the West Coast not able to come or travel, we really tried, worked really hard to make one work on the West Coast. And we've been able to do it twice, two on the East Coast one on the East Coast, then West Coast, and East Coast, and West Coast. <laughs> and we're trying to still make that work, but it's really hard to find new venues and things like that. So we're going to keep doing our best to keep that model. But regardless, we'll try to have conferences as one, at least once or twice a year. 
So, uh, okay. And so since you don't have a vendor hall at these <laughs> conferences, I'm going to pick on you about this. Okay. Um, then I knew um, you did. What kind of encouragement? Because I know encouragement is your thing. So what kind of encouragement could I expect to get at one of these? That's a good question. I think that because we do get asked that a lot, you know, is there going to be, you know, one way of learning or one way of like, we're not a specific curriculum that we encourage or a specific approach. So we have the presenters that speak come from all backgrounds. You know, we have Charlotte Mason, unschooling, classical, eclectic things, any kind of background. It's not important to us, but it's that you feel like you're a part of something together, that we're all in it together. And it's very encouraging to just hear from other mothers' experiences, what's something that they're passionate about, how they are learning. And somehow we learn a lot at the same time as feeling encouraged. So it just seems to all work out organically. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody walks away feeling great because I've seen the pictures and the videos (laughs) and I know there's chocolate. (laughs) There's usually chocolate. We usually, you know, we all love chocolate. So of course there's got to be chocolate. And all the women that come to these conferences, not only are they excited to be there, but they don't come expectant of somebody to just, you know, deliver information to them. They come and they bring their whole selves. So it's a really warm environment. Everybody's super friendly and is interacting with each other. Even the moms that are so nervous to be there alone. It's just has a really beautiful vibe that we couldn't create. It just happens thanks to all the wonderful ladies that show up. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about freedom and wonder in childhood. Why do you think that that's important for kids as they're growing up? I think that it's important because it's a natural God-given thing. I think that we are, I believe that kind of like, I don't know, I'm really passionate about this. I'm trying to get the wording just right. (laughs) But I think that the idea of curiosity and freedom and wonder we're, I think that everybody is born with these things and that we don't have to give them to our children. We just have to make sure that we aren't taking them away from our children oh. as they grow up because they just, children have a natural disposition towards curiosity and wonder. And I think that they just, you know, they need it. They need the time to be creative and time alone, even if they are bored and time in nature, because that's what we were designed to be a part of. And without abundant amounts of time to dream and to play outdoors and to explore, I think it can be really detrimental to our children's mental, spiritual, physical growth. And so I don't know, is that a good answer? (laughs) That's a great answer. I'm sitting here going, that's really good because, you know, you're taking, you're saying this is something we naturally have, you know, or we naturally need. And it's naturally in us. And so, you know, by filling all of the spaces with all of these things to do and, you know, kind of putting kids in rooms all day as opposed to giving them time and space just to be, we're kind of like going against nature. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think that rather than giving our kids those things that we have to be careful not to take them away from them as they grow up. And you said it better than I did, Pam. I don't know. <laughs> I think you said it better than I did. That was awesome. So yeah, that's that's a great answer. Well, I don't think we could do any better than that. So <laughs> let's just move on to the pop quiz. <laughs> that was really good. All right. Are you ready for a pop quiz? Okay, I think so. All, All right. right. Pen, I'm nervous. No, don't be nervous. It's it's easy. First thing that comes to your mind, pen or pencil? Ah, gosh. 
Okay, pop quizzes are really hard for me because I have a hard time making decisions. I'm very indecisive, but I'm going to go with pen. Early bird or night owl? Neither. Night owl. If I... Night owl. Each one of these is just going to be really tough, isn't it? (laughs) It really is. I'm telling you. Dishes or laundry? Our dishwasher has been broken for almost a year, so I'm going to go with laundry. Poem or short story? Short story. High tech or low tech? Low tech. Dystopia or fairy tale? Mm, Fairy tale. Talker or listener? Listener. Preschool or high school? High school. Preschool. (laughs) (laughs) On the go or stay home? Uh, I have a on the go. Ainsley, thank you so much for joining me here today. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Okay. Thank you so much, Pam. I'm online. I'm on Instagram at Ainsley with a three instead of an E. And you can check out the Wild and Free website at bewildandfree.org. All right. That was that. Perfect. And there you have it. If you would like links to any of the resources or websites that Ainsley and I chatted about today, you can find them in the show notes for this episode. Those are at edsnapshots.com forward slash HSP35. And we'll have all the links right there for you. Also, if you would like to leave a rating or review for the Homeschool Snapshots podcast, we have instructions for how to do that right there in those show notes as well. For those of you who have taken the time to leave a rating or review, we really appreciate you doing that. The ratings and reviews you leave in iTunes help us get word out about the podcast to new listeners, and we thank you. We'll be back in another couple of weeks with another great homeschooling mom interview. And until then, keep on homeschooling. 